happy Christmas. Well, it's not quite Christmas, but it's not that far off. And with that in mind, I thought I'd run a series of Christmas specials here at Freelance Bristol helping to make life that little bit easier in the run up to the big day. Now, if you're anything like me and you're planning to have a children's Christmas party or even a family Christmas party, then this is the podcast for you. I teamed up with Sharky and George. They have jaw-dropping parties and it's proper cheeky, chappy, old-fashioned fun. It really is absolutely brilliant. Now, Archie heads up Sharky and George West and he told me how it all got started. Sharky and George West is uh, part of the overall company Sharky and George, which is children's events. Uh, We started in London about 10 years ago, um, just... By, almost by chance, the, the two chaps, Sharky and George, who started it, were uh, messing around at school a bit, and they pranked their housemaster by putting... Um, they, there's a trick where you put a coin on your head and a funnel down the front of your trousers, and you drop the coin into the funnel. And you do that, and you give it to someone else, and they do that, and then you give it to a third person, and they put the funnel down their trousers and look up, and then you produce a bottle of water that you've had hidden and then pour it down the funnel down the front of their trousers. And they did this... And in their punishment from their uh, teacher was to, um, to, to take or host their, his five-year-old daughter's birthday party because she was afraid of clowns. Anyway, they did it and it was a rip-roaring success because they, uh, yeah, they're just very immature, but very professional with that. And, um, and they were asked to do another party on the spot by another mum and it sort of carried on throughout Bristol University they were at. And then they moved to London with very professional careers, but carried on doing that at the weekend and then realised that that's what they loved. So they packed in sort of uh, marketing for Volkswagen and headhunting in Geneva to become, uh, yeah, Sharky and George. So did your introduction into Sharky and George involve a tunnel, a funnel rather, and a coin by chance? No, but I have... It's happened to me three times since. <laughs> and it started off by me not knowing what the score was and then vaguely knowing what was going on. But they'd always say, no, we're not going to do it to you. We'll do it to another person. And then all of a sudden I'm just soaked in water. So, yeah, you have to be able to sort of take that without uh, blinking. Otherwise, you probably can't work for Sharky and George. So there's a lot of that that goes on. A bit of tomfoolery, you yeah. could say. We are professional tomfoolers, <laughs> I would say. So how did you get to be a professional tomfoolery? Is there a, a route to success? How the devil did you get into it? Um, I started off actually, um, I was a tea taster and then a wine taster. So, uh, But I was looking for um, sort of, although those are certainly not monotonous jobs, in fact they're quite good fun, I was looking for something slightly different and a friend of mine said, well, he's a teacher, who he said, why don't you come along with these guys called Sharky and George? They're great fun. And I sat and had what seemed like a really trivial chat with some silly questions with George and then the next weekend I was at a party just running around with a bunch of six-year-olds at um, at an Easter fete in Kensington and I was really enjoying myself and that's sort of the main thing that that sort of counts if you enjoy yourself and the children see that then you carry on doing Um, but if you obviously if you're not enjoying yourself and you know we get some people who are fantastic to chat to and you put them in front of 35-year-old children and they, um, they just stop petrified and scared and they turn from what was a very confident man into a little boy all of a sudden and and it's hilarious to watch but um you know then they develop into to be you know great you just have to be relaxed all the time and be able to be be an idiot without thinking about it it must be incredibly intense though to be entertaining you know five-year-olds whatever year olds upwards at children's party i mean i've got a little one he's 18 months and obviously i do that full time and i'm exhausted at the end of every day how the devil do you do it um 
we, I mean, our general party is two hours, so there are two of us, and the energy levels have to be extremely high, and we do feed off each other, but we also feed off the little ones, and we don't, you know, yeah, the, the key is to, to, because we're not performers, we get them, the children, to do the party, so we're not sort of running around, leading uh, every game and getting involved, they are doing the games themselves, and that's the key, really, to give them the responsibility of fun. And you just have to infuse them and make sure that they, they enjoy it and make sure that they get involved with everything. So our games involve them at every stage. So, for instance, we're not a huge fan of Pass the Parcel because a lot of children sit down. You sit down and it lasts a long time and you have to sort of cheat by stopping the music so every layer has a sweet in or whatever. And then one child ends up with a big prize and the others don't. We don't really believe in that. I mean, the, the, one of the best games that we have is Magical Musical Mats, which is very much like musical chairs. But we realise that in musical chairs, people get knocked out and stand at the side so that wasn't on we thought so we started by just with mats and then you remove the mats as you would do the chairs but not any people so you end up with 38 year old children rammed on a single mat about the side you know about one meter squared and then you know then they all win the game so that's fantastic and that's what we try and do for every single game that we play it's funny that you say that because just in describing it it conjures up images and memories of Watching children's parties and one poor child always crying when their chair gets taken away and they're devastated at that moment. So it's really nice. The whole ethos is it's inclusive yeah. throughout the entire party. No, absolutely, it's totally inclusive. And our the sort of one of the key of the entertainers is well, the team, not entertainers, sorry, is uh, peripheral vision is just outrageous. So you're looking at sort of 40 or 50 children in front of you and you're, you pick up, your eyes just get better and you're hearing and you'll be able to hear or see a child almost directly behind you crying because they've just been caught. Although they're going to be turning into something else and doing something else, they're not quite aware of that. So you've got to immediately, that's why we work in two. So one person will then take over the main game, the other person within five to ten seconds will stop tears and get the, other, get the child back involved. And that's a skill that, you know, you do have to build up, I suppose. And once you see, you know, people that have been doing it for you, like Charlie and George, they can get the child from crying and screaming as though they should be taken to the hospital to having the best time in the world within five seconds. Yeah, and that's uh, and, and that's something that you know you actually as a parent you can't do because you're very emotionally attached to the child. You you want to make sure they're okay and your your um, sort of paternal instincts or maternal instincts take over and all you know and, and they want to, the child generally just won't let go of you either. But with someone like us, you know, they're 90% of the, the falls are shock rather than pain. So as long as you get them to realise that by distraction, then it works very well. And what's the difference between you and hiring a regular children's entertainer, you know, a clown or a balloon twister or whatever it is in the more traditional sense? Um, they, children won't sit and watch at any or... Well, we'll explain the games. That's the only time they sit and watch. We like to get them involved. A clown... You know, for starters, they're quite scary in my opinion. But secondly, you know, the children by the end of it will be still have an inordinate amount of energy after an hour or two hours because they just would have been sat down. With us, they will be exhausted after two hours, and they will, you know, they would have had an amazing time, but be ready for bed, and we'll hand it, hand them back to um, back to the parents, you know, wonderfully exhausted and not at the stage where they're still bouncing off the walls and things. You know, we like to say we, you know, we we do a service in that. By, uh, yeah, and also they would have learnt some things it's creative and they're sort of mild morals that they pick up along the way but not that they'd ever realise that at all so they're just having great fun
Now, I'm looking at a book here that you've published, Don't You Dare, Over 100 Fun Things to Do. Sharky and George are simply the best. That quote comes from Bear Grylls. And then we've got a must-have Bible for parents, Jules Oliver. That's some fantastic celebrity endorsements there. Have you done any of their children's parties? How do they get to hear about you? Yeah, I mean, we do. We have done um, a few uh, sort of big names children's parties, which is really good fun because it just means you can be slightly more creative um, and usually you get sort of a bigger space to work with, which is fantastic. And it's simply um, it's simply word of mouth. We don't really do sort of advertising. It's just wonderful interviewers like yourself who, who pick up on us. And, um, yeah, and it's just every party's got to be a good one. Otherwise, um, and it's just the team that, that matters. We are very selective on our team. We've got this it's sort of mild interview process and trials and you know you have to be very very good and if you're not you simply won't be employed and did you decide then right let's go off and head up the um sharky and george office in the west was that how that one came around yeah i mean essentially i was doing my nine to five and doing this at the weekend but i was having so much more fun at the weekend that i thought that this would just be the most wonderful thing to just do forever really i mean obviously I can't be 50 or 60 doing it, but to sort of get involved with a company where fun is the product, that's, that's what you are trying to create at any cost, really. Just make sure that everyone has fun. So if you're in a, in a one-metre-squared room, you've got to make sure that there is fun in that space. Or if you're given the, the, the luxury of a countryside estate, you've got to make the most of it, you know. And, uh, and that's something I'd really, anyone should really want to do, just have fun for the rest of their life. And so I thought, right, well, how can I get involved on, a, on more of a level? So trying to work in the office of Sharky and George in London, in the base, and, and sorry, in the HQ. And then, um, and then I thought, well, let's, let's try and do this. I think this is transferable to anywhere in the world. Because even if you can't even speak that language, Charlie, for instance, has done um, sort of parties in uh, sort of uh, uh, the uh, sort of Serengeti, you know, where... These, these villagers who haven't seen sort of a, a parachute, a multicolored parachute, you know, he just goes out there, no one speaks the language, and he, well, English, and, um, and Charlie doesn't speak, doesn't speak um, Mithindi, and they just have the most amazing time, you know, and, uh, and I just think that can, that can happen anywhere. And so I was very ambitious and went to them and said, you know, let's go for Hong Kong, New York, and they, they reined me in a little bit and said, you know, why not start in Bristol where the whole thing started anyway? And I'd been to Bristol about three or four times before and I'd never had a bad experience here. It's friendly and it's a beautiful place to be. And it's very close to Gloucestershire and Somerset where more of our clients were sort of moving out from London. Um, so sort of just try and find a little bit of a spot in the countryside somewhere and so um, yeah so we managed it and is there any such thing as a typical children's party age you know genre location or is there no such thing uh, there isn't really any such thing as, uh, as that just purely because every single child is different so no matter how well you plan the, I mean we do have the classic party which is probably the most sort of uh, uh, the most uh, well placed one that we do and that's sort of your village hall or, or church hall or sort of lawn anywhere and that's just two hours of, of really good fun with a little bit of a break in the middle because even we even do sort of 21 year olds and sort of even corporate dues for sort of 60 you know people that are up to 65 and after an hour they all start to flag from five to all, all the way up there so then they need a little bit of a respite you know have a have some water and some cake and then we crack on with the next hour but um yeah there's there's no typical one just because of the crowd but the games we try and keep the same games but again due to the space difference and sort of uh, number of children sometimes then we have to have to adapt it
And what about ages? Is there a lower limit? How does it work if there are mixed ages at a party? Mixed ages is usually fine. We find that two-year-olds are a lot harder work. We have to get more staff in because they're not quite... Um, they're sort of still independent. So if they're in a room without their mum or dad, they will wander off and you can't really tell them to stay. So it takes more people to sort of keep an eye on a two-year-old as it does a three- or four-year-old. But then two of our staff can look up to um, around about 40 children between the ages of, well, starting at sort of four, going all the way up to as old as you like. So just two, that's all it takes. And all our games are for adapted so that anyone can play them. Even, you know, we do a lot of, uh, a lot of work with sort of, uh, charities and, uh, and some, uh, yeah, various hospitals. And so, you know, we adapt the game so children with disabilities as well can get involved. And Christmas is coming up, you know, it's a tricky time to be juggling family life and making it work for all ages. So any tips then for people who are wanting to manage a family party at Christmas? Yeah, it, it is, I, I do like the family party, but it's, it's key that you sort of, you have a couple of people that try and get everyone involved. That's the key with family parties, because the age range, as you say, is so different. So you need to instill the, the three-year-olds to the, the granny or granddad, or even great-granny or granddad, that it's all, it's all fun. And there are some wonderful games that you can do that just to sort of warm everyone up. There's a really good prank that's in the book, actually, that um, it's sort of, sort of like charades, except what you do is you choose a, a member of the family, just one, and you get them to go out of the room and then the rest of you write so you're all supposed to write down a different animal and then the person comes into the room and picks out uh, an animal then acts out and you have to guess what it is but you don't write down a different animal you all write down the same animal <laughs> okay so you all so you all write down let's say kangaroo put it in the hat so it doesn't matter what they choose they're going to choose kangaroo and then they spend the next however long you can summer kit pretending to be a kangaroo none of you are allowed to guess kangaroo and a game like that will get everyone rolling around the floor and involved and then that's then you can just start doing doing anything you like that you can imagine from from your youth all the way up to um, anything you've seen recently. And what about food and booze? If you've got all sorts of ages, do you recommend, you know, having a tipple for mums and dads, or do you think, nah, stay clear of that? No, I, no, I would. I mean, not, nothing should inhibit fun. I mean, obviously, you should never drink too much, but, you know, you can always... Just, just the, the things that we try and do is everyone can have a normal time. No-one is going to have to bend or, or flex to fit party games in or anything like that you know we, you work around it there's no otherwise you're, you're putting someone out they're not going to be enjoying themselves if they have to change a, a routine or, or, or something like that but it's entirely up to you you know it's your moral compass really and what about themes you've talked about themed parties and the classic parties what are some of the classic themes then the classic uh, the, well we a lot of um, so when a, a, a child goes to see a movie for instance we're immediately asked to do sort of a planes two theme so there's a bit of research on that and any sort of uh, a lot of um, lego parties and we even did sort of a, a kind of a vague mathematical one recently because this guy's well it started it was fantastic because this chap came to us and said um his son is very sporty some of his friends are very very academic one of them won best mathematician of the year so he and he was and and, and the party was um, started off as sort of a, an afternoon sort of treasure hunt with sort of clues to crack, and ended up with an entire sort of um, an, an entire day running around London, with going sort of on powerboats down the Thames, 
and so you know we had sort of uh, trapeze games and, and paintballing involved but then this the the we also had a, a, an academic side where sort of there were computer programs to crack and clues to work out and maps to sort of read and things it was um yeah a real fantastic i'd never have thought that maths and a party could go together but you do actually make that sound like fun and when you say research in you know the names of various films i take it that means a trip to the cinema uh if yeah sometimes hopefully um that's that is the dream to go and spend an afternoon researching in the cinema for for uh, for a party coming up um but uh, usually you'd have to ask one of the the office or in my case my little sister who often goes to see them so i've got sort of uh so quite a a good one to save time but it is uh, it is glorious when you get that opportunity and parties at home i mean you've got lots of great ideas for things that people can do at home does it have to involve much equipment are there a few basics that you'd say actually you can grab a wooden spoon and a saucepan and try this game any 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 ideas or tips uh space the more space the better that's all really so just pushing sofas to the outside to the end of the room and moving a table in the middle that that creates just a, a complete play surface which is great in terms of props all our guys um for the classic just have one rucksack and that's it so we the, the fun is the key you know when props involve are involved you know it takes a certain amount of sort of perhaps skill and things but wooden spoons are absolute classics with them um, so wooden spoons egg and spoon races just you can and the thing is about egg and spoon races they don't have to be just back and forth they can be round the house up the stairs you know outside under tables and things like that and that just gives it a, an extra edge um and music's always fun because it adds a, adds a bit of atmosphere i find I'm going to put you to the test. I'm not going to get you to make everyone play games, but if I was, and here we are sitting in the lighter, there's an interesting mix of ages, a few laptops, and I'll say, right, OK, you've got ten minutes, organise a game, do it now. What would you suggest? Um, I'd probably do an elephant race. They're very simple races that you can do that involve no props. I mean, this is assuming I wasn't allowed to use the water or the coffee cups because they look quite solid so I'd do probably try and do some sort of throwing competition across the water with the coffee cups would be hilarious but providing I'm not allowed to take it that far I'd just push the tables to the side divide everyone into two teams get you to come up with a team name a good team name obviously you get points for that and then I'd make you do just really silly races around these columns they look great so one of them would be an elephant race where everyone gets their right hand and they put it in between their legs and the person behind them grabs the right hand with their left hand so instantly you're looking like a, a chain of elephants with the trunk holding a tail of the person in the front and it's quite inhibiting but in a funny way so then you just get the people to run around the same point and, and mayhem immediately starts and uh, everyone's laughing and having a great time the one issue with that though is high heels uh, so at 21st and at weddings if people are wearing ridiculously high heels and, and their toes can sometimes suffer but apart from that it's, it's one of my favourite and simplest games we have do you think of yourself as being sort of Peter Pan of business? You really have got a job you just don't have to grow up in. Yeah, it's a lovely description. Um, the Peter Pan of business. Yeah, I think I quite love to be the Peter Pan of business. But there, there's not just one of us. There's a whole group of the lost boys of business, maybe. <laughs> it would be great, led by a couple of people. And also, I don't think we have a nemesis either. Boredom would be our nemesis in the form of Captain Hook. But apart from that, we're, yeah, we're good to go. Isn't that brilliant? 
Fancy being the Peter Pan of business and managing to actually make a living out of it at the same time. That was Archie there speaking from Sharky and George West. And incidentally, they're still relatively new here in the West. So if you'd like to get involved in any way, shape or form, possibly being a team member or just get involved with the catering side of things, please do drop me a line. It's hello at freelancebristolmum.co.uk. And that, incidentally, is the same email address if you've got any ideas for a feature in the run-up to Christmas in making family life easy. Okay.